You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Take your Bible with me this morning as we bring to a close our mission conference. What a conference it was. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. I've entitled the message this morning, Missions. Seeing the world through Jesus' eyes. Missions. Seeing the world through Jesus' eyes. The Lord wants every one of his people to be involved in missions. To each and every one of us has been committed the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The Bible says, how shall they call upon him whom they have not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher? Each and every one of us of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By are we all not involved in missions? Why do we so often pass over the opportunities that the Lord has to a lost and dying world? I think the reason would be that we do not see the world through Jesus' eyes. I believe that's why I am not more actively involved in missions and the spread of the gospel is I fail to see people as Jesus sees people. When you see people, how do you see them? How does Jesus see them? The Bible says he has given us an example that we should follow in his steps. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 36, follow along as I read. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with what? Compassion. He saw people in a different way than we see people. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We know this to be the mission field. We often hear verse 37 and verse 38 quoted and preached on as it applies to missions, but seldom do we focus on verse 36. That he saw people in a whole different way than we see people. And because he saw them in this way, his heart was moved with compassion for them. Go to chapter 10 and verse 1. And when he had called unto him the twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spears to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go ye not in the way of the Gentiles, or 
into the city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but go rather to the, what's the next word? I can't hear you, what? Lost. When Jesus saw people, how did he see people? He saw them as lost. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach. Let's go over to chapter 18. Pick up with verse 11. Are you there? Give me an amen. amen. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of the sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish." It's interesting that that word perish is the same word translated lost. Now let's go to chapter 23. Verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killedest the prophets and stonest them that were sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. Finish it for me, and ye would not. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word this morning as it applies to seeing people through Jesus' eyes. In your name we pray, amen. One of the ways I know that we do not see people as we should see them is because I don't. I'll be very honest with you this morning, this message has deeply spoken into my heart and brought great conviction to me. So I felt that if the Lord has brought me under great conviction, I should share it with you. Don't you think so? But we don't. We simply don't see people the way that we should see them. You know how I know that? If you take the evangelical church today, and I'm not talking just about the fundamental church, but put all churches into a category, churches that do still preach the gospel, do you know we spend less on missions today as you compare the salaries today with the salaries back during the Great Depression? More money was spent, listen to me, on missions during the Great Depression than we spend today. That's 
That's shocking. It was not uncommon during the Great Depression that churches wouldn't even heat their buildings in the middle of winter so they could take their monies and funnel them into worldwide missions. I think you'd be hard-pressed finding a church today that would shut off its power during the middle of the winter in order to save enough money to meet their mission obligations. Here, just a, just a few years ago, Southern Baptist Mission Agency, which is the largest sending mission agency in the world, came up with this statistics. The Southern Baptist members spend more money on their pets and pet food than they do on foreign missions. There is something wrong. And you say, well, well what's wrong I have to believe it boils down to the fact we simply do not see people in the same light in which Jesus saw them. Take your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 19. The story of Zacchaeus. You know, it must be that we're so self-focused in this age in which we live that we just simply can't break away from our nearsightedness to see people the way that Jesus sees them. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 19. Remember the little song we learned in Sunday school? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Sing it with me. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. We have all known the story of Zacchaeus, that wee little man that climbed up in the sycamore tree so he could just get a glimpse of Jesus. Verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief. Circle that word chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus for who he was and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came and the place, he looked up and he saw and he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner." And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods have I given to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restored him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. Now verse 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was what? lost. 
The Word of God uses a lot of words and a lot of phrases to describe a person who has never placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Do you know there was a time when you were not saved? If you're here today and you've trusted Christ, then you are born again. You are saved by the blood of Jesus. But it wasn't always that way with you. There was a time when you were lost. The Bible says those who know not our Lord, listen to this, are dead in trespasses and sins. We were the servants of sin. We were enslaved by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We were sinners. He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. We were unrighteous. We were alienated from God. We were an old man separated from God and the promises of God. We were without Christ and we were without hope in this world. We were far off. We were strangers, foreigners, appointed under wrath. We were blind and naked and under the curse and power of Satan. We were ignorant, unprofitable, evil, under the curse of the law, carnal, unclean, guilty, under the wrath and condemnation of an almighty God. And that, that's just a few of the descriptions of our condition before we got saved. But of all the words and phrases that are used in the scripture to describe an unsaved person, the one that's used the most is the word lost. We often use that word, don't we? We talk about so-and-so being lost. They're lost. But what does that mean? You see, a person who has not placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is lost. Someone who has placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what? Saved. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from the penalty of our sin. So someone that is saved is on their way to heaven. Someone who is lost is still on their way to where? To hell. So all mankind falls in one or two categories. Either they are saved or they are lost. Are there more people saved than lost? No. Jesus said those that are saved are few. Matthew chapter 7. Those that are lost are many. Few are saved, many are lost. So you don't have to look far to find a lost person, do you? So what does it mean to be lost? Do you know? Well, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. I really began to think about this. It doesn't mean to be without direction and without purpose in life. That's not what it means to be lost. It doesn't mean to be confused about what you should or should not do with your life. It doesn't mean to be uncertain about what is the right or wrong thing to do in a given situation. It doesn't mean to be without hope that things will ever get better. Doesn't mean to feel forsaken, unloved, and alone. 
not knowing who to turn to for help. A lot of times we use the word lost in that terminology. It's not talking about a bad situation in which you can't find your way out. It doesn't mean that you have lost your possessions and reputation and relationships and, and maybe even your health. It's not, that's not what we're talking about when we use the word lost. It doesn't mean to be in a state of deep, dark depression. It's not what it means biblically to be lost. It doesn't mean that you're in a state of constant fear. That's not it. Or that you are obsessed with a controlling addiction from which you can't seem to rescue yourself. It doesn't mean that you have this sinking emotional feeling that life isn't worth living, so I might as well just take my life. That's not what it means to be lost. I'm here to tell you those, those are bad situations that I've just named. But the worst condition that a person could ever find themselves in is the condition in which the Bible calls lost. Take your Bible with me and turn to Romans chapter 3. And in Romans chapter 3 we find the lost condition of man described and defined for us. It's not a pretty picture. And remember, there was a time when we were all here. Don't ever forget that. Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under what? They're all lost. Doesn't make any difference whether you're Jew or Gentile. That includes the whole world there you're lost as it is written there is none righteous no not what one there's none that understandeth there is none that seeketh after God they are all gone out of the way they are all together become unprofitable there is none that doeth good no not what one we were all lost their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their way. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. If there was, they'd get saved. Now we know that whatsoever things the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. We are all guilty. We have all violated and broken the law of God. Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Let me tell you something, that's terrible news. But the good news then comes in with the rest of the chapter. That there is someone who loved us enough to die on an old rugged cross and shed his precious blood that we could be saved. The condition of being lost is described in the scriptures as sheep that have gone astray. As that shepherd that had a hundred sheep and realized that one was missing and he went out and he searched for that one 
lamb until he found it. Because it was lost. The Bible said, my, my sheep, this is Jeremiah 50, verse 6, he says, My people have been lost sheep. Even their shepherds have caused them to go astray. Well, that's a sad thing, the shepherd there being a spiritual leader. It is a sad thing when a shepherd stands behind the pulpit and doesn't tell his people how they can be saved. Think of all the, quote, shepherds today that are standing behind pulpits very similar to this one, preaching a false gospel. The gospel is every one of us are lost on our way to a Christless eternity, and everybody needs to be saved. There's none righteous, no, not one. So it's described as a lost sheep. It's described in the scriptures as a blind person. A lost person is someone who is blind and just simply cannot see their true spiritual condition. Sometimes the shepherds have created that blindness in them. Listen to what the Bible says. If our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are what? Come on, what? Lost. It's hid to a lost person. In whom the God of this world, Satan himself, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the gospel, glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Let me tell you something. The gospel is the only light that can dispel the darkness that a lost person finds themselves in. We've got to get the gospel to them. And that's missions. If we do not see people as lost, we will never see the need of bringing the light of the gospel to them. It's described as a lost sheep, as a blind person. It's also described as a re rebellious son. Matt talked about the prodigal son today in the Sunday school class. Remember the father when the fa son finally realized his lost condition? I remember the story of the prodigal son. Finally realized he was lost, turned around and went home. And what did his father say? My son, which was lost, is now found. That young man had to realize, before he could be saved, he needed to realize he was lost. A lost sheep, a blind person, a rebellious son. It's interesting that the word lost, you see, I believe that this good old King James Bible is the inspired, authoritative, preserved word of God in perfection. I don't believe that there is one mistake in this Bible that I have. I don't believe that. I believe when God said he would preserve it from generation to generation, that God is true to his word. And so fascinating to me that this word lost is translated six different ways. In the King James Bible, and the context in which the word is found determines how it's translated. It's translated perish, perished, destroy, destroyed, lose, and lost. 
Listen to some of the ways this word is used. It is not the will of my father that one of these little ones should what? Perish or be lost. You know what that tells me? It tells me God loves kids. That tells me that children's ministries are really important to the Lord. How many here got saved before the age of 10? Can I see your hand? Look at that. Well over half of the fellowship. Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. It's not his will that one of these little ones be lost to perish. It says, he is not willing that any should any should be lost, any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm so thankful that those who are saved can never perish. Aren't you? Hallelujah for that. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand. He that believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I thank God at the age of five, I trusted Jesus as my Savior And like that, I moved from a lost condition to a saved position, and I will never perish in my sin. Glory to God. That's a gospel. That's good news. Then it's also translated destroyed. Fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He shall destroy the wicked. He is able to save and to destroy. But think about this. All those who are saved will never be destroyed. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil, that through death he destroyed him that had power over death, that is the devil, and delivered them who through fear of death were all of their lifetime subject to bondage. I never have to worry about ever being destroyed. I remember before I got saved, even though I got saved when I was five years old, I remember the fears. I came to understand the gospel and that I was lost and that I was on my way to hell. When I came to that realization, I remember the fear that set into my heart as a young child to think that I would die without Christ and go to hell. I'll never forget the evening. And I've told you this before. I had bunk beds in my room in case someone would come over. We had bunk beds in my room. And I would often often take my trousers and throw them up over the uh, top bunk. And the light was coming in through the window. The moonlight was coming in through the window one night. And it cast a shadow on the wall. And I saw these legs coming out of my top bunk. And I thought it was someone coming after me. I was petrified. But you want to know why? Because God was working the gospel in my heart. And I had this fear that I was going to die and go to hell. Let me tell you something. That is a fear that every one of us need to grapple with. See, I don't like that preaching about hell. It it makes me fearful. It should make you fearful. To die without Christ is to go into an eternal fire that never shall be quenched. And I remember running out of my room that night and diving in between my mom and dad and my mom and dad trying to comfort me. It was shortly after that that we had our Bible school going on. I got gloriously saved. I'm going to tell you something. I don't ever fear being destroyed. 
Death hath no power over me. I'll say with Paul, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. That sting was removed. This word is also translated lose. He that saveth his life shall lose it. You want to live your life for yourself? You want to reject Christ and the demands of Christ? He that saveth his life shall lose it. He that loseth his life for my sake and the gospel shall find it. I'm so thankful that I will never lose my eternal salvation. And this is the Father's will that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Say, what does all this mean, Pastor? It means that those who are lost are perishing. That's how we need to see people. Those that are lost are perishing. Those that are lost are being destroyed. Those who are lost are losing out on the greatest gift that God has ever offered to man, the gift of eternal life. That's how we have to see people. That's how Jesus saw people. If we see people in that way, we will readily share the gospel with them. We will readily get involved in missions. We will be excited about taking our faith promise commitments and putting them in the offering plate. We won't avoid mission conferences because they cause us to be convicted about our lack of passion and concern for the lost. Everything in our lives will come into focus. We'll start to have the right perspective on the life that the Lord has given to us as we get over our nearsightedness. Jesus spoke those three parables to describe the condition of a lost man. Remember the lost sheep? The lost son? I'm almost done. But in between those two parables, he told the parable of the lost coin. How many remember hearing the parable of the lost coin? There was this woman who had a necklace that was made out of ten coins. And one of the coins had fallen out of that necklace. Now the Bible says it was a piece of silver. That word peace is the word drachma, which was the daily wage of a common laborer. So when that coin was missing, that coin represented some value. Have you ever seen ladies in the Mideastern culture wearing necklaces that have coins on them. Sometimes they wear them around their head. Sometimes around their neck. Sometimes they were given those as a wedding gift. The Bible doesn't specifically say anything about that. Just simply that she lost one of her ten coins. Now if that coin was a drachma, which is the word translated peace, then I thought how much would that drachma, that one piece of silver that she lost, be worth? 
So I did a little searching. This was just this morning I thought this. The average wage of the American worker is $44,564. So you take all Americans, put us all into one big lump. That's what the average salary of the average American is. Some of you say, man, I wish I was an average American. (laughs) And some of you are way above that. Yes or no? So that boils down to $857 a week is the average weekly wage of an American worker. That was much higher than I thought. But that's where we're at right now in 2018. Then you take that and you divide that by five, the average work week, five days, you come up with $171.40. So that one coin that she was missing represented in a wage $171.40. Now, I don't know about you, but if I lost $171.40, I would turn my house upside down to try to find it. Usually things in our house, we have... Uh, three couches in our house. Usually things are found in our couches. Are you with me? And when you lose something, you go to look for it in a couch, you find a lot of really nasty, creepy, crawly creatures there. We were looking for something just the other day and we found a list goes, my purse! But the Bible tells us in this parable that this lady literally turned her house upside down, did a thorough search of her house until that coin that was lost was found because it was so precious to her. I think it was more than just $171 to her. It's probably something she received at her wedding. Let me ask you a question. How precious are souls to you? As precious as a lost sheep that you would leave the 99 and go out in the darkness and search and search and search and search and search until you found it? Or for a lost son that you would Be on your knees day in and day out, looking every day, hoping and longing that one day your son would come home. Or how about just the lost coin that you literally would turn your house upside down, look in every nook, corner and cranny until you found that precious coin. When Jesus came into the town where Zacchaeus was, he didn't see Zacchaeus like everyone else saw him. Everyone else saw him as a sinner. What Jesus saw 
Jesus saw him as a man lost and in need of salvation. You know, there had to be something going on in Zacchaeus' heart. He was wealthy. He was filthy rich. Most everyone in town hated him. But still at the same time, they had to respect him because he was the chief of the tax collectors. So in the world's estimation, he was a sinner that didn't deserve the time of day. In his own estimation of himself, he was empty. Think about it. He had, he had everything that this world had to offer. He was rich. And that all those riches left him empty. Left him lonely. They left him troubled. Something was missing. And I could only imagine what was going on in the heart of this wee little man. As he tried to just see over the crowd of people. To where he was willing to humble himself. Don't you think he probably asked someone to help him grab that first branch? Hello? Hey, would you help me up into that tree? There was something pressing him. If I can just get a glimpse of this man who I've heard so much about. This miracle worker. This man who has changed so many people's lives. If I could just get a glimpse. And Jesus comes and passes by and looks right up. Knowing the heart condition of that man. He said, Zacchaeus. You think Zacchaeus said, how do you know my name? I'm going to close with this. Jesus knows everything about you today. He knows your spiritual condition before him. And I'm here to tell you today, either you are saved or you are lost. If you have any question or you have any doubt in your mind as to where you fall into one of those two conditions, I would tell you what, I would get it settled today. I would come up here to this this altar, I would bow my knee with others who will be up here today. And I would ask the Lord Jesus to come into my heart and save me. I would confess to him, I agree, I'm lost. And I'm on my way to hell. And he'd be saved. He'll save you today. And what a transformation in this man's life. That after he, Jesus just asked to be received. Right? He's just asking you to receive him. It's, it's his gift to you. But man, when, when he received, what a difference. He turned from a sinner to a saint. If I've taken anything by false accusation, I'm going to clear my conscience. 
Could you imagine the testimony that went forth in that town that day as he's given money back to everyone and giving four times more, according to the law, giving four times more back than he had taken? You know what he was willing to do? He was willing to liquidate his riches for the cause of Christ. Where are you today? He received the invitation. He acted immediately. And he repented of his sin and trusted Christ. Can I tell you something? The gospel's never changed. Luke 19 to today. It's the same gospel that'll move you out of a position of being lost into a condition of being saved. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.